0: I want to talk to you today about things you don't understand. Uh, as a matter of fact, when you don't understand God's hand, um, there are times in all of our lives where things happen we don't understand. As people of faith, that things happen that we don't understand. So I'm going to ask you to stand to learn about what you don't understand. Let's stand to hear God's Word. And I'm going to read one of my favorite Bible stories, which is a, cru- a, a true narration of what actually happened. And um, the setting is two disciples after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and his resurrection. They don't understand what happened. They are uh, scandalized by the way he was treated and the way that he died. They didn't expect it. They didn't foresee it. And they were blown away. So much so that they feel like they got to get out of Dodge, Dodge being Jerusalem, and go to a little town called Emmaus about seven miles away. That's the setting. And let me read it. That same day, Luke chapter 24, verse 13, by the way, that same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. Now catch this. They're talking about Jesus to Jesus. (laughs) There's humor here. There is. There's irony. Okay. And Jesus played dumb. He said, what are you discussing as intently, so intently as you walk along? He knew, but he wanted them to say it. So they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them named Cleopas replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Again, Jesus plays dumb. What things? they proceed to witness to Jesus about Jesus. The things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. Here's Jesus. Was he now? And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and religious leaders, the church folk, um, handed him over to be condemned to death, and they... The religious leaders crucified him. Now, we had hoped. Now, that's the operative phrase right there. Notice, we had hoped. We had hope. We don't have it now. We had it, but it's gone. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. Now, this all happened three days ago, they tell Jesus. But then, verse 22, they continue, but then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and. Wow, they came back with an amazing report. They said his body's missing. And they also said, "We saw some angels. And Jesus is alive." Yeah. And some of our men ran out to see. We know who two of those men were. It was Peter and John. They they ran to the tomb and John outran Peter. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was Gone, just like the women had said. And Jesus said to them, you foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the Scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the Scriptures they had a major Bible study. I would give anything if I could have been there for that Bible study, because Jesus is teaching about Jesus to them. From the word, because the Bible's all about Jesus. Stem to stern, Genesis to Revelation, it's all about Jesus. All right? And let's, let's stop right there. Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray that it will minister. I pray that, Lord, you will reach in and you will help some people who are struggling with things they don't understand. Some that are struggling with not understanding God's hand in their life. Some that are not understanding your timing, not understanding your will, not understanding why some things have happened around them and you didn't do something. They don't understand. Lord, help us today to come to a place of faith and grounding in the truth of your word. And I pray you will heal us and deliver us. And Lord, comfort us with the mighty Holy Spirit of the living God. In Jesus' name, amen. Tell your neighbor, if you don't get it, hang on, you're going to. Amen. So I do want to talk about the things uh, that we all experience. If you're in the faith for very long at all, you're going to experience some things that you don't understand. Especially now that you've got this vertical faith, and, you're, and, and you've been told that if you pray this way, God will answer, and so you have this understanding of prayer, you have this understanding of the word, and then some things happen around you that you don't get, happen to you or to somebody in your orbit, and you don't get it, and that's where these two disciples were. They didn't understand God's hand. You have to put yourself in their sandals. Here they were, they were following Jesus everywhere that he went. Every time Jesus said, All right, let's move on, they got up and moved on. When Jesus stayed in a place, they stayed in a place. When Jesus taught, they hung on every word. They came to believe that he was the Messiah of the world, prophesied by the prophets they had been raised learning about. All of them had expected a Messiah. They had been taught as children the Messiah was coming. And so when Jesus came along, they watched a few miracles and listened to him. They said, he's it. This is our guy. This is the Messiah Isaiah talked about. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, the minor prophets, Moses, David. He's it. They followed him everywhere that he went. Now, then... It seemed like everything fell apart and flew apart. Jesus got crucified. Jesus got beaten and abused in a way that they could not wrap their minds around. They could not believe that the one that walked on the water and healed the sick and raised the dead and opened blind eyes and deaf ears was suddenly in the hands of evil people. And they were abusing him. And they finally crucified him on a cross in the form of execution that was the worst known to the world of that time, a terrible death. And these things had thrown them into confusion and despair. You have to understand, this is not what they thought. Now, here's why they were so thrown. Because they had been raised, taught, that when Messiah came, he would rule the world with a scepter of righteousness. The lion would lay down with the lamb. That everything would be brought under his control. That there would be the relinquishing of evil. No more war. Men would beat their swords into plowshares. And there would be war no more. That all of the evil and wickedness and tyranny and despotism that was going on in the world. The terrible oppressive Roman government when the Messiah came. He would overthrow it and deliver them and rule the earth. And that's what they expected. And that's why when Jesus seemed to always have it under control, they said, he's it. It's just only a matter of time before he takes over Rome. And we are delivered from this terrible bondage. And we can be who God has called us to be. And that's the way they saw him. But they failed to understand that the prophets had given us a two-pronged prophecy about Messiah. The, The the second part is the one I just described to you. But the first part is the suffering Messiah the Lamb of God, who would, according to Isaiah, for instance, in Isaiah 53, would be rejected of men, despised, would suffer, would bleed, would die for the sins of the world, would be abused and kicked out, not received even by his own, the Jewish people. They weren't thinking of the Messiah who first had to die for us. And rise from the dead before the second part of his purpose could come to pass. The second part was to be way, way, way down the road. But the first part was about to happen and did happen right in front of their eyes. Jesus, the miracle worker, was arrested. He went through kangaroo court. They took him. They abused him. They whipped him. They pulled out his beard. They thrust a crown of thorns on his head. They treated him horribly. It was impossible for those that loved him to watch it. And they finally murdered him on a cross. And to them, this didn't make sense. What is going on here? He's supposed to take over the world. And now the very Rome we thought he was going to deliver us from has murdered him. We don't get it. Do you understand? We don't get it. This is not what we thought was going to happen. This is not what we expected. And their expectations crashed. And so they had a great big, I don't understand crisis. I don't understand this. What is this all about? How has how this happened to him? How has this happened to him? And then when they were told by the women that Jesus' tomb was empty, after they had seen him abused this way, treated this way, when the women came three days later, because as they go to Emmaus, it's Resurrection Sunday. They are traveling to this little town, outside of Jerusalem, seven miles away. It's Resurrection Sunday, but they don't know it. They're not aware of it. But the women that have been in the tomb came back and gave this report, and it's almost like they said, you know what, I can't take anymore. I can't take anymore. I've had all I can stand. I'm getting out of Dodge. You're telling me he's risen from the dead. I watched him murdered in front of my eyes. This is too much. I'm overdosing. I'm overloaded. I'm out of here. I am leaving to process things. How many of you wish you could leave today to process some things? How many of you have already left to process some things? How many of you have ever had to go somewhere alone to process events and circumstances that had happened to you that you did not understand? Come on. But I want you to see today that God has a ministry for us when things happen that we do not understand. We do not understand. See, our country is full of people today who don't understand what just happened in Uvalde. They don't understand. I've had so many people ask me, Pastor Jeff, where was God? I don't understand. How does he allow things like that? I don't understand. You see, if you're not careful, the things that you do not understand can cause you to, to short circuit in your faith to stumble in your faith, when you don't understand some things. Say, where were you, God? I don't understand, God. How'd you let that happen to me? How'd you let that happen to them? Or I thought this was going to happen, and this is not what happened at all. But instead, that has happened, and I don't understand your hand. I don't understand what you're doing. I don't understand what's up. I want you to know, first of all, that's okay, Because we don't have to understand everything to walk with God. Come on, everybody. Don't shout me down. We don't have to understand everything to walk with God. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And don't lean on your own understanding. You know why? Because your own understanding sometimes can't deliver you a sufficient answer. That's your own understanding. And your own understanding is very limited. So don't don't lean on your own understanding and say, well, because I can't understand it, I can't continue to walk with God, no. Listen, I've told you before, I've got a file cabinet in the back of my mind. And the file cabinet is marked, things I don't understand. And I still open that thing up and put something new in it from time to time. And that file cabinet has grown through the years. There are some things I don't understand. But you know what? There's some things that I used to not understand, but I was able to open the file and take that one out because by and by, I did understand it. But my, my point to us today is when you don't understand God's hand, you've got to trust God's heart. Come on, everybody. You trust God's heart. See, just do a quick scan through the Gospels and you'll find there were several times the disciples, they were clueless. They didn't understand what Jesus was doing, what Jesus was saying. Let me read a few examples. In in John's Gospel, Jesus says to Peter, who could not understand why Jesus was washing his feet. Peter said, no, 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 I should be washing your feet. But here's what Jesus said. You don't understand now. But I love this next part. You don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will understand. Someday you will. See, the things we don't understand today, he's either going to help us understand later in our walk with him on this earth, or we're going to understand when we get to heaven. Because the Bible says when we get to heaven, we will know, even as we have been known, there will be no more mysteries, no more times where we've got a furrowed brow trying to figure something out, but we will know, even as he has known us, we will know him, and we will understand all things. Okay? But in the meantime, we need to understand that there's going to be times we don't understand things. We don't understand. Jesus said, you don't understand now, Peter, but you're going to understand it later. What's he saying to Peter? Peter, you're going to have to keep following me even though you don't understand. Amen. I don't know if that ministers to you like it does me, but it sure does me because I've got things I want to understand, but I'm trusting the Lord in the meantime with the things I do understand. Like, I know that this is the Word of God. I understand that. I understand that most of the questions I have in life are answered right in here. Matter of fact, all of them eventually are answered in this book. I understand that He's the Savior. He's my Redeemer. He is the soon-coming King of kings and Lord of lords. I understand that I'm in a world of wickedness and evil. But I also understand that it's not going to stay that way. I understand that he's going to come back and create a whole new world. I understand that much. When Jesus was entering uh, Jerusalem on, on the first Palm Sunday, he's riding on a donkey. And the Bible says his disciples did not understand these things. Why are you, the king of kings, riding on a donkey? They didn't understand that it was a fulfillment of prophecy. They didn't understand that. They did not understand what Jesus was doing. They didn't understand what he was up to. So many times the disciples were clueless as to what Jesus was talking about or doing or the circumstances surrounding them as they followed him. But not understanding, they kept following. See, I'm never going to let not understanding keep me from my walk with Christ. Not gonna do it. In one last example, real quickly, when Jesus plainly told his disciples, listen, we're going to Jerusalem. When we get there, the Gentiles are gonna arrest me. They're gonna mock me, spit on me. They're gonna abuse me. And the Bible says they understood none of these things. And that was these two disciples' problem. They did not understand that Jesus had to suffer first as the Lamb of God, and he was going to come back way later, as the Lion of Judah. Amen? So, the dilemma we all face from time to time, especially a week like this week, here's the dilemma we all face. How do you stand when you don't understand? How do you keep standing when you don't understand? How can I keep going when I don't understand why this happened to this person, that person, or to me? Or I don't get these circumstances I don't understand. How do you stand when you don't understand? From these disciples' point of view, their hopes were dashed. They said, we were hoping. We were hoping that you were the conquering Messiah. We were hoping that he was the one that was gonna set us free. We were hoping. But now we don't have any hope. Our hopes are dashed. What are we to do? And they're telling the very one, about their hopelessness who was going to fix their hope in short order. Isn't that amazing? Now here's what I think they were thinking. It doesn't say this, but I think I'm right. They they were thinking, it looks to us like we have believed some things about him that just turned out to not be true. What do you do with that? How could we have been so wrong? How could we have been so wrong about him? what do we do now? How do we pick up the pieces? We don't understand. Some of you feel that way today. I've been there. I've been there many times. I've been there several times in a major way where I had to say, okay, I'm going to keep going even though I don't understand these circumstances. I'm going to keep going though I don't understand everything God's up to because I see through a glass darkly. I don't see face to face like I will one day. So I'm not going to get everything. That's why I must trust in the Lord with all my heart and don't lean on what I don't get. Yeah. But I'm going to let the Bible give us the answers on, on how to stand when you don't understand. Let's go to these two disciples. Here they are. They're walking down that long, dusty road, seven miles, about a day's journey. And they're just talking. They're talking about all the things that have run a number on them. They're just walking along. And all of a sudden, here comes a third party, and he eases up to them. Now, I want you to notice, the first thing that Jesus did with his two disciples that did not understand, he drew near. He drew near. He didn't pull away. Well, because you don't understand. Where's your faith? I'll just go to somebody who does understand. No, Jesus drew near. And and what I like about it is not only did he draw near, but he walked with them. He entered their pain. He stepped into their grief. He did not leave them to fight through their confusion alone. Can I tell you that Jesus is the one that sticks closer than a brother and He will never leave you? And so often we think, well, because I don't have faith for this and I can't seem to get a hold of this by faith and. I don't know, it seems to me my faith is failing, that surely God's a million miles away. No, no, when you're struggling and hanging on by a thread, that's when he draws near. That's when he comes in close. He knew they were hurting, he knew they were in trouble, he knew they were leaving the epicenter of the will of God for their life, which was Jerusalem. So he came and he drew near. He drew near and walked with them. You know, no Christian ever suffers alone. And you say, well, I've been alone plenty of times, Pastor Jeff. If you're a believer, maybe humanly speaking, you were alone, but you're never alone vertically because he steps in. He steps in. Matter of fact, I can tell you, I've experienced it. When everybody else steps out, he steps in. Even when the church won't have anything to do with you. When they step out, the Lord of the church steps in. And he ministers to you and loves you and forgives you, and heals you, and wraps his arms around you, and he's there to help you out of your condition. He wants to get you on your feet again, breathe fresh life into you again, breathe fresh fire into you again, get you back on track again. So he steps in. Paul the apostle said, The very first time I was brought before the judge, that being Caesar, no one came with me. Everybody, abandoned me. Who's the everybody? All the believers he had led to Christ in all of Asia. Thousands of people. But when he's brought before Caesar to answer for his faith, not one stood with him. Not one. So horizontally, he's alone. But vertically, look at this. But the Lord stood with me. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength strength to go on, strength to complete the will of God, strength to get it together, strength to do what God had called me to do. He gave me strength. He strengthened me. He stood with me. So when everybody else walked out, he stepped in and I finished the will of God for my life. Because folks, thank God we've got a savior that said, lo, I'm with you always even until the end of the world. And I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. I will never file for divorce. I will never walk out. I will never leave you alone. But when everybody else is gone, I'm there with you. He drew near and he walked with them. Oh, I love that. The Lord is near, the psalmist wrote. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So everybody say with me, He drew near. Now, where is he with you right now? And where are you with him? If you're confused, if you don't understand God's hand, if you're in in a situation you don't understand what God is doing, let me tell you, he's already drawn near. He's there with you. And he's there to sweep out the cobwebs of your misunderstanding. And he wants to give you clarity. And that's where we're going next. Because the Bible says, when he drew near, he also drew out their issues. Look what he did. I love this. He asked them, what are you talking about so intently as you walk along? Now, Jesus knew. He knew what they were talking about. He's never surprised. He's never shocked. The psalmist said he understands our thoughts from far away. He knows what we're going to say before we say it. He knows when we sit down. He knows when we stand up. He knows all about us. He knows us inside out. And so nothing, nothing that is troubling us, is unknown to God. So he didn't need them to inform him. Listen, he wanted them to unload their burden onto him. Oh, listen to me, church. What does the song say? Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. How many times are we walking around burdened full of anxiety, full of trouble, full of fear, full of doubt, full of worry, and we don't take it to God. Jesus said, tell me what's bothering you. Tell me what it is that's gotten you to the place where you had to leave the center of God's will for you and walk to this little town of Emmaus where God has not called you to. They weren't called to Emmaus. Jesus told his disciples, "Tarry in Jerusalem. Everybody say, Terry in Jerusalem. So there was was a geographical place they were to be. And they left it because they didn't understand. They were confused, perplexed, scandalized, stumbling over events. So Jesus is saying to them, "Tell, tell me what it is that drove you out of the will of God. Tell me what it is that drove you to this place. Tell me what it is that has made you walk along the road all depressed and down. He drew out Their issues. Tell me what's traumatized you. Tell me what's burdening you down. Tell me why you're walking so sullenly and tell me why you're so disillusioned. Talk to me about it. Now, a lot of times we go, well, if I tell God what I'm really feeling, then surely He's going to diss me. He's going to walk away. No, no, no. No. He wants to hear from you all your troubles. He wants to hear from you. God, I'm lonely. God, I'm full of fear. God, I'm being tempted like I've never been tempted before. God, I'm being tempted to go back to that old habit. God, I don't understand why this person walked out of my life. God, where were you when I needed you the most? He wants to hear from you. He said, but what if it's not full of faith, what I say to God? All through the Bible, people said things to God that were not full of faith. Did he walk away? No. Did he diss them? No. Did he rebuke them? Yeah. sometimes he said, oh, you have little faith. But he didn't walk away. He built their faith. See, he wanted them to get it out. He wanted them to talk about it. So tell me, guys what has brought you to this place where you're leaving everything? And they began to talk to Jesus about Jesus, not knowing it was Jesus. They talked about his death. They talked about what they had hoped for. Oh, we hoped that he was the one, but now he's gone and our hopes are dashed. What are we gonna do now? What do I do now, Lord, that that person's gone? What do I do now, Lord, that I've lost that job? What do I do now, Lord? All my hopes were in that career, and now it's not happening. Now I've lost it. What now? My hopes are dashed. How do I pick up the pieces? Where do I go? Where do I turn? What did Jesus say? Tell me about it. Tell me about it. You know, some of us need to have a great big moment of just telling God what's sitting on us. What's burdening us. Because you know why? If you don't get it out, it's going to get you. Watch this. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. I don't want to be depressed. Now, I know sometimes there's clinical depression. And I'm not dissing anybody for that. It's chemical and I get it. No condemnation at all. I understand. But sometimes we're full of depression because we're full of anxiety and we're full of anxiety because we haven't unloaded onto the Lord. Amen. Yeah. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Proverbs twelve twenty-five. That's Bible psychology. And it's free. This is why Jesus drew their issues out. He wanted them to unload their burden. The Bible tells us over and over again, don't keep it in. Take it to the Lord. You say, well, I talk it to, took it to other people. That's great. Take it to people. But they can't do what he can do. No, no. You take, you take it to God. Psalm 62, verse 8. "O oh, my people, trust in him at all times. Pour out your heart to him. For God is our refuge. Psalms 55, 22, Give your burdens to the Lord. He will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Now, make the connection. Connect the dots. Who won't slip and fall? Those that took their problems to the Lord. Because if you don't take your stuff to the Lord and you're walking around full of anxiety, that's when we make a lot of bad mistakes and bad decisions. All right? There's no answer in a bottle. There's no answer in a drug. There's no answer in yet another relationship. Not an ultimate answer. No, you get the ultimate answers when you turn to the one who will keep you from slipping and falling. Yeah. So everybody say with me, take it to God. Now, now why was he so insistent on this? Uh, Here's why. He was insistent on bringing it to him because he knew if they don't bring me their burden, they're not gonna hear what I'm about to say to them because we can't hear people when we're all preoccupied with our stuff. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you knew good and well, they're looking at you, but they're not. All right. They, 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 they're looking your way, but they're not hearing a thing you're saying. Why? Because the wheels are turning because they're preoccupied with their own stuff. And that's why you're wasting your time until they get their burden out. Because until they get their burden out, you can't put truth in. All right. All right. So, so Jesus said, tell me about it. Unload on me. So he drew near to them. He drew out their issues. And then here's the way I like that it ends. He spoke healing words into their pain. Once they'd gotten it out, oh, we, we had hope. We thought he was it. We don't understand. We're perplexed. We're dazed, confused, all of that. Then, and only then, he started speaking to them. Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. How did Jesus fix their confusion? By the word of God. By the word of God. One day, I, when I got saved, I knew the Bible was the word of God. I accepted that as a fact. But one, one night, I don't know, I, it's hard to explain. I was reading in the Psalms one night. Way, way back when I was late teens, early 20s, I was reading through the Psalms and I came across this one Psalm and I read it out loud. And when I read it out loud, something happened to me. I just had this supernatural, personal knowing and revelation and surety and confidence that this was the word of God. This is not a book about God. This is the very word of God. You want to know what God's saying? Open up and read the book. If you want God to talk talk out loud, read it out loud. This is his word. And, and, and Jesus, to, to heal these these men of their confusion and their disillusionment and their despair, he opened up the word of God. And the word of God held the answers. And he gave them a Bible study about himself. Starting with Moses. And then David. And then the prophets. He showed them that all through the Old Testament, because that's all there was at the time, there was no New Testament yet. And so the Old Testament, they said, He said, from Genesis to Malachi, it's all about me. It's all about me. It's a book about me. Every book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, go through the whole Old Testament. It's all about Jesus. It's showing the Jesus that was to come, what he would do, how he would die, how he would rise. And and then the day that he would rule the world with a scepter of righteousness. It's all about Jesus. And he opened up the Bible. And as he talked to them, something began to happen to them. He was Here's what he was telling them. Guys, instead of being confused, you need to understand, this was supposed to happen. The prophets said, I would die this way. The prophets told you that I would die die and suffer for the sins of men. Hey guys, Satan didn't win the day. Evil men did not prevail. Me dying on the cross, it was supposed to happen because until that happened, I can't come back and rule the world. It had to happen first. So guys, all of this was in the the middle and center of the will of God. And you need to know, the devil didn't win, God won. When I died on the cross, I took the devil's teeth out. I destroyed death. I destroyed hell. I destroyed the grave. When I died on the cross, it had to happen. They needed to understand that God was in charge the entire time. And as they untangled their faulty thinking, the the fog began to lift. Their inner pain subsided. And look what happened. They went into Emmaus. They sat down to eat. Jesus took some bread and broke it. When he broke it, their eyes were open. And they realized it's been him all along. And he vanished. And they looked at each other. And they had a moment. And, and they began to reassess what had happened on that road to Emmaus. And here's what they, they said. Did not our hearts burn within us? Didn't we begin to experience Holy Ghost fire? Didn't we begin to experience a recovery of our zeal? Didn't we begin to experience a recovery and a restoration of our motivation to follow him, to seek him, to go where he told us to go and be where he told us to be? Didn't we begin to experience again what I like to call Holy Ghost heartburn? Hey, I, I hate heartburn, but I love Holy Ghost heartburn. Because Holy Ghost heartburn is when you're full of fire for God, full of zeal for God, full of passion for God. You you want the will of God. You want to be around God's people. You want to minister God's word. You want to talk about Jesus everywhere you go. You are on fire. You are on spiritual fire. Give me a church of 500 people on spiritual fire. Over 10,000 people who are lukewarm and half dead. Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened to us the scriptures? And watch this. They rose up. Everybody say they rose up. Where were they? They were in Emmaus. They were in Emmaus. A little town that wasn't in the will of God for them. They were out of the will of God to be there. Jesus said stay in Jerusalem. They didn't. Here they are in Emmaus. It's where you go to lick your wounds. It's where you go to escape from trouble. It's where you go to get away from pressure. It's where you go so you don't have to mess with the turmoil or the chaos or the difficulties anymore. We all, we all from time to time long for an Emmaus. Some of you, you're here, but on the inside, you're in Emmaus. Let me tell you, if we were still in Texas, East Texas, I would tell you this. If you're in Emmaus, you're in Emmaus. Some of you still haven't gotten it. Think about it on the way home. If you're in Emmaus, you're in Emmaus. Because, listen, we're not to build our houses in Emmaus We're not to stay in Emmaus. If you escape to an Emmaus, and we all need to do it from time to time, I get it, but God never intended for you to stay there. He intended for you to get it together, listen to Jesus, let him talk to you, unload your burden onto him, but then rise up, rise up, and get back into Jerusalem, which which is a picture and a type of the will of God for you. Jesus said, Pentecost is coming. I don't want you to miss it. I'm going to follow you all the way into Emmaus, and I'm going to restore you, so you will rise up and get back to Jerusalem, or you're going to miss the greatest blessing of your entire life, because I'm about to pour my spirit out in the in the the city of Jerusalem, and I want you there to experience that. Some of you listening right now online, The reason you're not here, you're in Emmaus. And if you're in Emmaus, I'm telling you, you're in Emmaus. You are. Don't stay there. See, you can get comfortable there. You can put your house there. You can start raising your kids there. You can start calling Emmaus home, but it's not. Where God wants you is Jerusalem. Whatever that is for you, the will of God for you. And some of you, you're not in church. Some of you, uh, because of COVID, you got out there and you got comfortable But I'm telling you today on Memorial Day Sunday that Jesus has followed you there and he wants to speak to you there and he wants you to rise up and get back into the epicenter of the will of God for your life. No doubt they were in the upper room when the spirit of God fell. Cleopas and whoever the other one was, they were there. And all of a sudden there was a sound of a rushing mighty wind It filled the whole house. And tongues of fire sat over every one of their heads. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and with power. And that was the will of God for them. That they be there. Because it didn't fall in Emmaus. It fell in Jerusalem. More than anything in the world, I want to be in the epicenter of God's will for Jeff Wickwire. And I want you to be in the epicenter of God's will for you. And that is first to be in Christ saved. But after being in Christ saved, he doesn't want any of us on the sidelines from things we don't understand. No, you'll understand it by and by. What I'm doing now, you don't understand, but you will later. Can we stand up together today? God is so good. Do I always understand him? Oh, no, no, no. I've got theological questions. One in particular. I'm not going to tell you what it is because it'd make you deal with it. But I've got a theological question that I I don't understand it. But I haven't let it make me stumble. I've given it to God. It's in the file. And I'm trusting that one day I'm going to be walking along and all of a sudden God's going to bring it to me and I'm going to see it and I'm going to understand. It's happened to me many times. How many of you can say, boy, there's some things I didn't understand, but I do now. How many of you say, there's some things I don't understand and I don't yet, but I will. I want to pray for us today. I want to pray for us today. I want to pray for anybody and everybody who is struggling with something you don't understand. Because I'm going to ask God to set our hearts on fire. To give us that Holy Ghost heartburn, that inner spiritual passion, that first love for Jesus. I'm going to ask God to do it in this altar. So if you can say, Pastor Jeff, there's some things I don't understand. And I'll let you pray for me. I want you to come down. I want you to come down now. Come quickly. Come down. We're going to ask God to pour out his spirit. We're going to ask God to set us on fire. We're going to ask God to restore that zeal. We're going to ask for fresh fire, fresh power, fresh anointing. Amen. Come on. Come down. Come down. Thank you, Lord. I want to pray for you if you're struggling over something you don't understand. I want to pray that it doesn't become a stumbling block to you, but that we receive fresh fire today. Amen. How many of you could stand some fresh fire? Amen. Now, let me ask a a real, let me ask a personal question, but right before we pray, how many of you can say, I used to burn for Christ hotter than I've been feeling lately. come on, come on, come down. I want to pray for you. There's nothing wrong with saying that. Nothing wrong with admitting. I've been there a hundred times. The same God that lit the original fire will rekindle the flame. Amen. He will rekindle the flame. So I want us to sing right now. Let's sing a stanza of I Surrender All... And then we're going to pray together. And I want you to get ready to unload the burden on the Lord. surrender lord Yes. I surrender. say I need that fresh fire I need to unload on God today lift your hands and say this with me Lord Jesus you're my burden bearer I bring my burdens to you my perplexities the things I don't understand things that have affected me things that have dulled the keen edge of my faith I bring it to you. I roll my burden onto the Lord. I cast my care upon the Lord. I release everything that weighs me down onto the Lord. And Lord, I leave it there. I leave it there, Lord. You know what it is. You know what burdens me. And I give it to you. I say it out loud, I give it to you. And I'm asking you to replace it with holy fire, like you did the disciples on the road to Emmaus. You took their burden and gave them joy. You took the weight and gave them fire. You restored them, restore me and help me to get back in the game, back in Jerusalem, back in the will of God, back in service for you. In Jesus' name. Now let's sing this through one more time. And if you need to give anything else to him, while we sing, do it. Go ahead and do it right now. I surrender yes, I do. Oh, I surrender all. all to Thee, my blessed Savior I surrender all Amen. Thank the Lord today. Thank the Lord today. Now, Sometimes God does something immediately. Sometimes he does not do a quick fix. I want you to listen carefully to me. This is a a beginning for probably most everybody in the altar. It's it's just a beginning. How do you you come to the place where you are burning like you used to? Walking in that first love. Walking in that zeal. you got to be in the word of God every day. The word of God Is how you, the keeper of your own flame, keep the flame lit. Prayer and scripture. I'm in it every day. Because as a pastor, let me tell you. If I wasn't in the word every day, I couldn't do this. There is no way I could do this. No way. We're we're touching the country. Okay, there's no way. You think the devil doesn't attack us? Oh my. Trust me. The, The devil comes at us all the time. attack us, derail us, discourage us. And and the only way that I keep the the flame lit is I'm in that word of God, which is like a a fresh match on it. It it keeps the flame burning. You have to do that too. We can roll our burdens onto the Lord, but then there's tomorrow. So this has to become a way of life. Don't let what you don't understand keep you from God's best. Amen.